You're listening to Forecast, the marketing podcast for professional services leaders. If you're looking to generate more leads, win more deals, and take your firm to the next level, this show is your shortcut. Hey there, and welcome back to the show. I am your host, Ahmed Munawar, and this week on Forecast, we're talking about branding. Branding is one of those funny words. Nobody really seems to agree on what it means. And as a result, nobody agrees on what to do with it and how to actually build a brand. But it's definitely an important topic and not one that you should be ignoring. So over the next few lessons, I'm going to break down the topic of branding, hopefully demystify what it actually means and give you some actionable advice that you can use to build a stronger professional services brand. Now, before we get into that, if you haven't yet joined us inside our free crash course on the five P's of lead generation for professional services firms, you're going to want to check that out right now. Inside the course, I will show you a proven step-by-step process to generate a flood of new business for your firm, and you can get immediate access at no charge by heading over to 5leadgen.com. That's 5leadgen.com, and you can spell out five or use the number. Either one works. So let's kick off this discussion on branding with a simple definition that we can all agree on. Now, it's definitely hard to find a definition that we can all agree on. So I thought, you know, let me find a definition from the highest authority on branding that I can think of that few people will have the guts to challenge. So I did a Google search on definition of branding, Seth Godin, and here's what I found on Seth's blog. His definition is that a brand is the set of expectations, memories, stories, and relationships that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. If the consumer, whether it's a business, a buyer, a voter, or a donor, doesn't pay a premium, make a selection, or spread the word, then no brand value exists for that customer. So let's break this down piece by piece. The first thing that Seth says is that a brand is a set of expectations, memories, stories, and relationships. So it's a set of these intangible things, these experiences, these stories, these messages that come together to create a feeling or an emotion inside the customer. And it can create either a positive or a negative feeling, which is where the second part of this definition comes in, where he says that those expectations, memories, stories, and relationships taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one product or service over another. So for the brand to have value, the feelings can't be neutral and they can't be negative. The feelings have to be positive in a way that they help the buyer make a decision. So what we're saying here is these feelings or these emotions created by the expectations, the stories, the messages, the relationship are ultimately what determine whether the client is going to buy from you or from someone else. And that's the key here. And then finally, he says that if the consumer doesn't pay a premium, if they don't make a selection, if they don't spread the word, then no brand value exists for that customer. In other words, the brand only has value if it drives profitable customer action. So if the client pays more or if the client refers you or talks about you and so on and so forth. Now, this may be in stark contrast to what you thought a brand was before listening to this. And there are many misconceptions around what a brand is and what branding as an exercise should do. A lot of people confuse branding with design. 
They think that a brand is ultimately a logo or a company name or a product name or a color scheme or a website or a marketing brochure. And of course, I blame designers for this because designers would have you believe that your brand is all about the way that you look. It's what people see on the outside. So if you look good, people will perceive your brand positively. But the way that your brand looks is just the window dressing. Sure, it's nice to look good. It's important to have a nice looking brand via the logo and the website and the colors and so on. But that's only the beginning. A real brand, a brand that has real positive value is one that drives profitable customer action. And the logo itself is not going to do that for you. So in other words, design is part of the branding process, but it's certainly not the goal of branding, nor is it really the, the core element of a brand. Ultimately, what all of this boils down to is this. A brand is a feeling. It's a feeling that a company, a product, a service, a political figure, or a cause evokes in a customer. But it's not an accidental feeling. It's a very deliberate feeling. It's a feeling that the entire brand experience is engineered to deliver. And it's a feeling that influences a customer's decision. Now, before you start thinking that all of this is starting to sound really hokey and doesn't have any basis, here's some real hard data to support this idea. There have been studies involving fMRI neuroimagery that showed that when evaluating brands, consumers primarily use emotions, so personal feelings and experiences, rather than information, such as brand attributes, features, and facts. So they looked at people's brains when they were evaluating brands and they found that it was the emotional part of the brain that was more active than the rational part of the brain. More research reveals that emotional response to an ad has a far greater influence on a consumer's decision than the ad's content, by a factor of three to one, in fact. In other words, it's not so much what the ad says, it's the way it makes the customer feel. And finally, more studies have shown that positive emotions towards a brand have a far greater influence on consumer loyalty than trust and other judgments, which are based on a brand's attributes. All of this is to say that the way a brand makes you feel is not only important, it's the very crux of the matter. Now, the best way to appreciate this is to think about some of the big brands that we're all familiar with and the feelings that they evoke in us. Here's a classic example, Starbucks. It's kind of hard to capture the feeling of what it's like to walk into a Starbucks in a single word, but if you've ever actually walked into a Starbucks, then you know what I'm talking about. And it's the same feeling every time, no matter when you go or no matter which Starbucks you go to anywhere in the world. Now, sure, Starbucks is selling coffee and snacks and sugary treats, but, you know, I'll be the first to tell you it's not the best coffee, it's not the best snacks, it's not really the best of anything. That's not why people go there. They go there for the feeling. Look at Apple. How in the world does Apple continue to charge these astronomical prices for these products and yet somehow make it to the top of their market every single time? I'll tell you how, because people that buy Apple products do so because it makes them feel cooler than everyone else. Now, that may sound narcissistic, but it's absolutely true. Because if you look at the specs, if you look at the features of Apple's products, their computers, their phones, their tablets, you'll find that based on specs, on paper, by and large, their products have less features than their competitors, and yet they're more expensive. The difference is... It's not as cool to walk around with a Samsung as it is to walk around with an iPhone. What about Tesla? 
You know, why would somebody pay $100,000 for a car when they can get a car that's faster and more powerful for probably less money? Or if they really cared about the environment, they could buy a Prius for 30 grand and then donate the other 70 to, you know, global warming research or whatever they want. The difference is when you buy a Tesla, you're having fun, you've got a sports car, and you're being responsible towards the environment. So when someone buys a Tesla, it makes them feel like they've made it, but they're also taking care of the environment. They feel like an adult and a kid all at the same time. Now, granted, all of those examples are consumer brands because consumer brands are generally the ones who have the budgets to create these feelings in us through mass advertising. But I don't want you to think that these rules don't apply to your brand because they do. When someone comes to your website, it creates a feeling. When they read your blog post, it creates a feeling. And when they finally meet with you to discuss how you can help, it creates that same feeling. Now, the truth is all of this is happening whether or not you choose to be deliberate about it. If you're not creating that feeling on purpose, the one that helps buyers choose you over others and pay a premium, then you're leaving things to chance, which rarely works out. So all of this is to say that the very first step that you need to take to figure out what your brand represents, to make your brand stand out, is to decide what feelings you want your brand to evoke in your buyer. How do you want them to feel when they see your brand, when they read your content, and when they interact with you? What emotions do you want to come to the surface through those experiences? Now, this requires a real level of empathy, not empathy just for the sake of throwing around empathy like a buzzword, but actual empathy where you begin to see the world from your buyer's perspective. And an empathy map is a great way to go through this process because it forces you to ask these questions that when interacting with you and your service, what is the customer thinking, right? What are they feeling? What do they see? What do they hear? What do they say? What do they do? Those are the questions that go into an empathy map. The point is to begin to see the world and to see you and your brand and your product and your service and you as an individual from the lens of your customer and think about how they're feeling and how you want them to feel in order to do business with you. Now, I'm not expecting you to drill this down to a single feeling. Not only is that incredibly difficult to do conceptually, it's even harder to communicate, but I do want you to get a handle on the feelings and the emotions that you're trying to evoke in your buyer when they interact with you or any extension of your brand. So let me bring this home by using my brand as an example. What kind of feelings and emotions do I want to evoke when people come and visit boutiquegrowth.com or they listen to the podcast or they meet with me one-on-one? Well, for starters, I want people to be hopeful. I want them to be hopeful in the future. I want them to see a bright vision for themselves. I want them to be in a growth mindset where they're seeing the possibilities for their business. And I want them to feel confident. I want them to feel like they can do this. They have the skills and they have the talent to build a world-class professional services firm to build the firm of their dreams, whatever that looks like for them. And I want them to begin to see me as the guide who's going to help them get to the next level. I want them to acknowledge that they can't possibly learn everything on their own. They can't possibly study everything on their own. They're subject matter experts in their own field, and they need to reach out to subject matter experts in marketing and business development and growth if they want to grow their firms. 
So in a nutshell, I want them to feel like they have a ton of potential. I want them to be hopeful of the future. I want them to be confident in their ability to build the firm of their dreams. And I want them to see me as a companion, as a guide, as a mentor who's going to help them at each step of the way. So that's the very first step. Figure out what feelings and what emotions you want your brand to evoke to be able to create that positive brand value that Seth Godin was talking about. The kind of value that makes buyers pay higher fees, choose you over the competition, and refer you more often. Now, if you're ready to jump ahead, you can grab the entire tutorial on branding. That's all three lessons that make up this series by heading over to forecast.fm brand. Finally, if you haven't yet subscribed to the show on iTunes, do us both a favor and head over to iTunes right now. Type in forecast marketing in the search box. Look for the show. It's that fancy blue graphic. Click on it and hit subscribe. And while you're at it, leave us a rating and a review because it helps more people discover the show. Thank you so much for listening. Listening.